Hi, and welcome to Zed Games. Recorded live at 4 Triple Z Studios in Brisbane. And broadcast nationally across the Community Radio Network. Zed Games brings you the best in gaming news, reviews, community, and culture from across Australia to around the world. Coming at you live from 4 Triple Z Studios in Brisbane. You might be hanging out with us on 102.1 FM, on Zed Digital, on iTunes or Spotify, or around the country on the Community Radio Network. This is Zed Games, and we're going to be chatting video games for the rest of this time that we're with you. My name is Jack. And this is where you guys do. Mm-hmm. Who are you? Come, <laughs> you? I'm waiting. I was waiting for an epic introduction. No, like, no. And joining me in the studio is <laughs> this awesome person, Candy Payne. All of you are awesome. That's fine. I'll just do it myself. Candy Payne, the Thank awesome you. Candy Payne. That's me. Candy, the awesome yep. Payne. Yep. And Ray. <laughs> Radical Ray. Radical Ray. Zor. Radical Ray Zor. And just Scott. Just, that's it. Just, just go. See, that's what I was expecting, <laughs> and then it didn't. It didn't go quite as planned. Uh, we're going to be chatting a few different things through the show. Uh, Ray, you've been playing Persona three, four, and five dancing. Yes, they made yes. a dancing game for each of the good ones. Mm, they did. Yes, uh, Persona five dancing and Starlight. Persona three dancing and Moonlight, Moonlight. And, and then Persona, Persona 4, four dancing. dancing all night, all night, baby. And we're here all night. <laughs> We don't stop dancing. You do not. I had no idea that's what you were reviewing tonight. Yeah. That's going to be hilarious. We got the one code, and it's three completely uh, different dancing oh games. Yeah. This is going to be a long so night. Pumped. I've played them in Japanese, so I'm very excited to see if they have any story story mm. significance whatsoever. I'll tell you all about the story, Jack. Can't wait. That's ex- that's exciting, Candy. Yes. You've been playing the first tree. Yes. And it sounds beautiful. Yes, it's only a short game. Mm. I think it actually came out last year, but it's only just launched on all of the consoles yeah, this right. year. So I've just caught up to speed. Cool. Um, but it is a stunning little narrative journey that I can't wait to share. Very, very excited about that. First, though, we have the week in... Oh, and also, before I forget, I was like, we're, we're going to be talking about this very soon, but also the Brisbane Game Awards happened. Yeah. We got together some of the uh, local games media in Brisbane. Yes. Uh, all five of them, because there's not really that much. There's so there's so many games media <laughs> outlets in Brisbane. Figure God, out. uh, but yeah, we all sat down and figured out what the best games in Brisbane were for 2018. So Ooh. beautiful. Talk about that later. Noise. But first, now we're actually doing the gaming news headlines. The big headlines. The big headlines. Do that. Daybreak Game Company has confirmed that 70 workers have been laid off in a major downsizing that is mainly affecting its Austin, Texas-based studio. The studio is responsible for developing games like DC Universe Online, EverQuest, H1Z1 and Planetside 2. Statements made by company chief and founder John Smedley suggests that Daybreak is restructuring as a result of less than expected revenue streams. It's not known how this news will affect the development of their active portfolio titles. How many of those are active, Ray? Uh, hmm. EverQuest is still going. I Everquest think there's EverQuest is. two or three or something like Planet that. Planet Side Two is still active on PS4 and PC. Uh, yeah, but it's it's mostly garbage, I believe. It is not garbage. Uh, isn't it is it? no. It's like actually a pretty competent free to play shooter. Okay, oh, it's my not, mistake. My honestly, mistake. you know, these are all just uh, personal opinions. Yours is you're wrong. <laughs> DC Universe Online was a solid game that I enjoyed for a good few months. Eight years uh, ago. A long time ago. <laughs> uh, I didn't pay any money towards them, and maybe that's why they're going under now, so sorry about that. Well, Daybreak was originally... Uh, their studio Sony. was Sony Online Entertainment, yeah. so they were on Sony money for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and then 
uh, I'm not sure if Sony kicked him to the curb or if they decided to break off, but it was Feb 15 that they broke off as Daybreak Games. Um, people at the time were talking about, oh, is Planet Side 2 going to come to like Xbox One now and like all this other stuff? Obviously, H1Z1 is probably one of their more profitable titles. Mm. Just because it, it's. That's the- still a Sony exclusive, though, isn't it? Well, it's on PC. Right. It's on Steam as well. So okay. it might be a Sony console exclusive. Cool. Um, but yeah, that's. So they laid off how much of their stuff? A third. You're Jesus. good with fractions. Yep. That many. <laughs> 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 it's like, I'm not. Yeah. I I was going to say 70 yeah. and you just went a third. Yeah. <laughs> that's big numbers. Yeah. Well, when, when's the last time you guys talked about H1Z1 though? Like, is it that surprising? H1Z1 has been out for so long. Like it hasn't really made any meaningful headlines for at least the last five years. Mm. When did DayZ come out? That was like 2010, wasn't it? Yeah, but it's just going to uh, come out officially very soon, I think, (laughs) apparently. So get ready for the big launch. I'm so sick of early access games being in early access for half a decade. (laughs) They've made millions of this game and they're just releasing it already. That's crazy, eh? Um, Well, Fortnite's still in beta, so one day. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So when when they release is when when they're like, ooh, we're, we're starting to make slightly less insane bank. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Seventy workers is one third, so they've got they've gone from about two hundred to about one fifty. Mm. That's, I w- I'd say a pretty meaningful chunk of absolutely. Uh, it also means that they may not be rushing into developing any new titles. They might be just like going supporting, maintenance on their yeah. supporting their existing titles, which is a big shame. I imagine that when you're cutting that many people, they might want to pull back on how many products they're supporting so that they can reallocate resources. Because obviously, this is made in, in an effort to save money. Right. Yeah, yeah, they should just mm. straight up shut down uh, Planet Side Two. Just, just what's your beef with Planet Side Two, it? dude? It's like a good game. <laughs> <Just put> it- <laughs> like it's Dollar Store Space Battlefield. <clears throat> yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> <Spin> it. <laughs> okay, fine, whatever. It's <clears throat> it's unfortunate. Hopefully, um, everyone at that Texas Bay, Austin, Texas yeah, based studio, um, finds work. Yeah. The 2018 Game Awards were held in Los Angeles, California last week, with Sony's God of War taking out the coveted main prize. Red Dead Redemption 2 was another hot favourite, winning prizes for Best Narrative, Audio Design and Performance for lead actor Roger Clark. Popular favourite Fortnite won the category for Best Multiplayer Experience. In addition to the awards, fans were treated to sneak previews of upcoming titles, including a teaser for a new Dragon Age game from Bioware, an announcement for Mortal Kombat 11, and the surprising reveal of a new entry in the Marvel Ultimate Alliance franchise exclusively for the Nintendo Switch. Uh, I don't care about the Marvel Ultimate Alliance franchise game whatsoever. Have you seen it? Yeah, yeah, and you're and you're silly for saying that. Why uh, don't you care because, about it? Uh, superheroes, Marvel, DC, complete over the top. Do not care. Yeah, that is something that I've never been into. It's something that I've never really cared about. They I were, what is wrong with you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, <laughs> like, worstly, actually, what's wrong with you? That was, that was the most sustained stink <laughs> eye I've ever seen in my life, Candy. <laughs> Holy crap! Um, yeah, and no, I just I don't care. Sorry, mm. but also yeah. the gameplay. Sure. Of the like of this Marvel Ultimate Alliance three or whatever it is on Switch, it just looks like a top down brawler yeah, game. Like the dude, gameplay itself doesn't look particularly inspired. Hey, let me sell okay, it to you, cool. Jack. Do All right, uh, these games, the first two games were <laughs> amazing uh, games in the sort of PlayStation two era. Uh, imagine Diablo with with three friends, except one of you is Iron Man, another one of you is Wolverine. You got Spider Man and 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 Rogue or 
I'd be or Spider-Man. Storm or, you know, your favorite Marvel <laughs> superhero, you know, and you're all going through and you got like push X to, to Wolverine claw, you push... Push X to Wolverine? Push circle to, to <laughs> teleport his right claw. Do you know how many claw? times a day I wish I could just push X to Wolverine claw yeah. at work? Like, that would just make my <laughs> day office, so much the easier. the dream. <laughs> I mean, it's Diablo uh. with the Avengers, X-Men, Spider-Man and all the other Marvel heroes. Like, what else do you need to know, Jack? Sure. It's sure, amazing. Sure. Uh, this is great. What is most surprising is the fact that it's going to be a Nintendo exclusive, which is... That's not surprising at all. It isn't? Oh, well... When, uh, you, when you look at it, it is a multiplayer cooperative slash competitive game. Yeah. What other platforms do local cooperative or competitive games True flourish that. on? Anyway, Switch. I'm all in for that. Mm-hmm. I think that's super exciting. Um, Dragon Age game, yeah. Oh, it's two years off, mate. Yeah. Uh, that's something <laughs> to look forward to. No. Mortal well, Kombat 11. 11. Your hype? Yeah. Oh my god! I uh, when did we get to eight, nine, and ten? <laughs> like, just holy, him. <laughs> holy sugar! That is. You've <laughs> liked the latest Mortal Kombat game, Candy. If you haven't played it, it's, it's very graphic, very. No, horrible. I feel like I have, but I didn't realize that was the number I was playing. Eight, nine, and ten. Like, Mortal I, Kombat I, X. Yeah. Like I played a classic version on my classic Xbox, and then I skipped a chunk, and then I played the last one where it was like all you know three D skeletons and like X rays and stuff. That'd and be Mortal Kombat gra- X, wouldn't it? Maybe it's probably why X. X, yeah, yeah X. I got past that's it. Yeah, that's what got me. Yeah. I didn't ten, got it. Now I get yeah. it. So eleven, <laughs> shit, eh? That's like that's up there with the numbers. That's a long running franchise. Um, uh, also, just quickly, God of War getting Game of the Year. What? I was chatting with a friend of mine because we were watching the Game Awards. It's a, it's a three hour show, mm-hmm. um, and I was at work and we were on break, and I was like, I guarantee Red Dead is not going to get Game of the Year. It's going to get seven other awards, but if they get Game of the Year as well, it looks like they got paid out. Mm. They cannot yeah. do that. And then God of War, and I was like, Told you, Matt, they got paid out. Yeah, no, they didn't get paid out. It's just like R- Red Dead had such an insane budget that obviously there's no way that the game could have been bad. It's- yeah, but I think to not award a game of the year might be a little bit disingenuous. Really? A God little. of War? Really? God of War was was fantastic. I mean, that there's two titans going head to head. And yeah. you know what? Let's plug the Zed Games Game of the Year show, which is going to be next week, next Wednesday, yep. where we all individually battle... Uh, amongst ourselves to determine our favorite games of the year and those are the only awards that actually matter game awards under the so right don't cares? worry about this this big fancy los angeles ceremony that because cost a million bucks tune in next week to triple z for the real game of the year awards yes but also just quickly mm. am i the only one that's getting sick of arthur morgan's voice real quick like no, it's it, it's like honey for me. I you know, I just can't handle I don't know. No. I don't enjoy listening to him speak. Oh, you're you're in the minority there, I'm afraid. Really? Yeah, he's he's amazing. Sure. Did you guys see too we had a little bit of uh Aussie representation at the awards with Florence winning mobile game of the year? It didn't win mobile game of the year. Or indie game of the year? It, it was won nominated. Something. It was nominated. It a nomination something. is still great. I swear yes. it won something. <laughs> no, I didn't. I don't believe it. It won. I think it was nominated. Um, Celeste was up there for Game of the Year, which was mm-hmm. sick. God, Celeste was so good. Um, Florence was there. I feel like there was at least one other Aussie game there. Mm-hmm. There were a bunch of other announcements though at that presentation, most of which revolved around the Epic Game Store. Which was interesting. Yeah. Like a bunch of new games that are coming exclusively. The Bastion and Transistor guys have a new game. Oh. With this... Hades. Hades. And the voice actor just... Oh, man. I love it so much already. But it's early access. I'm not going to touch it for a year. Mm. Um, 
Ashen is out. Did you play Ashen at PAX? Nah. I didn't go to PAX. Last year. All right. Yeah, it was there for two years in a row. That's from a New Zealand team. And then um, Below comes out next week, finally, after like five, six years. From Cappy. Yeah. Yeah. Was that at the Game Awards as well? I thought it was mentioned. It was just, yeah, I heard about it around then. Okay. But Below looks sick also. Hype as hell. Florence, mobile game of the year. Oh, it was. Thank you, Google. Fact-checked. You got fact-checked, Jack. (laughs) I'll I'll see myself out. Bye. We've got to do that more often. (laughs) And last but not least in the (laughs) news. It's been a while since I've read the news. Okay, to be fair. John Romero, co-creator of seminal PC game Doom, has announced he will be developing a spiritual successor to the beloved first-person shooter. Sigil is being released as an unofficial mod for the original game, which had its source code released into the public domain in the late 90s. Sigil will be released online for free and will feature nine single-player levels and nine multiplayer arenas. A limited-edition physical version of the game will also be released, and the game is expected out in February. How are they releasing a physical mod? It's an unofficial mod, and they're doing a physical release? Yeah. What? It's got, like, a fancy box art with pentagrams on it, and the box might might be cursed as well by John Romero himself. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, that's worth 40 US dollars. Sold. PUBG was a mod that went to retail, so... There's a roadmap there. Uh, that's yeah. true. Hey, you know when you go to the EB Games... Oh, sorry. Uh, games retail outlets of mm. unknown uh, <laughs> names. <laughs> sure. Um, and you see the, <laughs> the Fortnite... So smooth. The Fortnite box is there, and like all the kids are, getting, are showing the parents the Fortnite box, which is a free game, and it's for like V-Bucks or for some yeah. lame bunny outfit or a dance. And the parents don't know that the game's actually free, but the, the kid's got this box in there, and I'm saying, hey, this is... This is the best game. Buy it for me. It's forty dollars. It's just skins, it's dude. A, it's, it's, a, it's just it's a scam. It's not a scam. Like the kids oh. want. Like, sure. As far it, as value for money for the parents, if you're paying for a free game. It's a scam. Yeah, but the yeah. kids want this extra stuff. Kids aren't smart, so I... apparently they are. <laughs> well, then the parents aren't no, smart. No, you know who's smart? Epic Games. Yes. Yeah, because yeah. they're making. Bang. Yeah. They're launching a new studio in Australia. Oh, are they? Tony, did you not get that from... So at, G- at Game Connect Asia Pacific, Tony Reid was saying he was stepping down from the Game Developers Association of Australia Ooh. to found an Epic Game studio in Melbourne. Oh my God, that's huge news. Yes. You sk- you missed... Heard it here last on Z Games. Um, <laughs> so last but not least in the news is actually but, your story. <laughs> so yeah, like that's that was announced at GCAP. It was a, a month at least, right. month and a half ago now. Um, and then obviously they're putting a lot of money into the Epic Games Store where developers are getting a better cut than Steam gives them. They've been giving better cuts to developers on the Epic... Uh, on the, the Unreal Engine Store where developers get like assets and whatever else. Right. So it's not like Epic is just like hoarding all of this money because at, at this point like so many people hate Fortnite. Like the YouTube rewind yeah. thing got eight million downvotes because yeah. they spoke about Fortnite. Mm. Um, I heard some some terrible things on the news this week about they, what Fortnite does to people. They never shut up about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but like Epic is is kind of, I think, being savvy about how they're investing into the industry. And in, in, yeah. you know, like obviously, they'd need to get pretty significant funds to be able to put into a, like a big Australian studio mm-hmm. to be able to launch a new games marketplace and get all of these exclusives and market them at the Game Awards, they're making hell a bank. That's crazy. That is the Week in Gaming News headlines and also, I guess, the last month and a half's headlines. Coming at you live on 4ZZZ or around the country on the Community Radio Network with Razor, Jack, Scott and Candy. Now, Candy, you've been playing delightful uh, 3D game. Yes, the first tree. There's a fox in it. 
There's a fox sold, in this game. Sold, sold, yeah, sold. Yeah, right, I know. That's pretty much what sold me. The First Tree by David Wheel. Wheel. Whaley? Wheel? Wheel? Wheel. I think he voices it. He's designed it. He's done the whole thing except for the music, which I have to say is by Josh Craman because it is absolutely stunning and you'll hear a clip of that next. I want to preface this review by saying I don't really know how to review this game purely because it's not a long game and so much of this is an exploration and to say too much actually gives away everything that you discover in the game about the story and about yourself as a person. It is... um, Deep. It is unbelievably deep. Unbelievably deep. It's a third-person walking journey, an emotional walking journey uh, with two parallel storylines. So you physically are playing as a fox who is looking for her three missing cubs. Um, Whilst on your journey as a fox, you start to hear a voiceover um, by... A guy and his girlfriend, partner, wife, not not sure their relationship. They're obviously together. Um, and he is obviously expressing emotion in issues that he's having with his father. So it's a really interesting juxtaposition of adult human things going on while you're running around as a fox in these incredibly beautiful landscapes. And so is, is that effective or is it jarring? Because it sounds like those... They kind of loosely connected things, but not necessarily. They're loosely connected, maybe for seventy percent of the game play, and then towards the end, um, you realise that his story and her story, so his as a son and hers as a mother, are actually quite intertwined because they're both experiencing the same emotional loss. So, it's a really difficult one, and I'm, I'm Razor's got it on his screen now, and I'm watching it again because I've, I've only just recently played this. It says, um, you know, in the, in all the reviews you read about it, the developer himself, he says it's like a two-hour game. I, I know I spent closer to four hours playing this, and I've had a good eight hours worth of the music just playing on the screen. Like, I actually just left my TV running on the opening credits so I could listen to the music over and over and over because it is just, it is the most beautiful piano and cello p- pieces the most melodic score I've ever heard and it just completely draws at the heartstrings so basically you're running around as a fox like the gameplay is really basic I played this on the PlayStation Um, you know one button makes her run or slowly walk one makes her jump one makes her dig that's really all the movement that you need Um, there's no obvious path for this fox to follow you just are kind of loosely guided by some little orbs of light and the whole point is that you're fighting you're finding these little orbs of light and they're meant to represent you and your soul and and your journey and your path and you know the guiding light basically but there's not a lot of them and it's not actually directing you in any path that you're meant to follow does it get frustrating trying to find them sometimes there was only one scene well i didn't you don't actually really know if you're even supposed to collect all of them i don't think you need to it's just it's part of the storyline that he is explaining to his girlfriend um It's a really interesting story where it it takes you back to this guy when he's quite young um, and it starts in its primary school for him and he's talking about the relationship with his father at the time, how much his father used to work and you can kind of hear in these stories that he's telling his girlfriend their relationship is going off course a little bit. So he's he's getting older, he's becoming a teenager, his father's working a lot, they don't spend a lot of physical time together um, and he starts hanging out with the wrong group of friends. This whole story, as you're running around as the fox though, you just, you just know from the way the music is written that it's going to be heartbreaking no matter what you do in this story. But you don't quite know what's happened to the father or their relationship. 
you are as the fox, obviously trying to find your cubs. And you're running through, maybe there's five or so different landscapes. I think you're running through snow, like beautiful snowy mountains in one of them. Um, then you're running through like green green fields. So it feels like you're going through all of the different seasons, really. Uh, then there's, you know, then there's spring forests where all the flowers are in bloom and it's stunning. And it becomes quite dense. So it's a little bit harder for you to run around when you're, you know, running through all of the bushes and the, the flowers and things like that. What she uncovers along the way is the other thing that you're looking for are these trigger points, I guess, that kind of reactivate the voiceover of, you know, the guy that you're listening to telling the story about his father. So you're looking for these, like, long stretches of light that are explaining the story a little bit more. So it's really well done that you don't really need to follow a path because no matter which way you come across these stories, it sort of all still makes sense. Like, it's been really well recorded that you'll you know, he might be telling you a story about a toy boat that his father carved or, you know, but it, it all, it can't, they're just, it, they're snippets of his life that don't need to go in an exact order for that section of his childhood to make sense, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So you're digging up, you'll find these little patches of earth and it encourages you to dig them and that will reveal another part of this guy's story. So it's really... It's just emotional. Like it was, I cried twice and anyone that's listened to this show for the last eight years will know that there's maybe one other game in that his, in my history of playing games that has done that to me. That was the end of a Bioshock game. And so, and this, this is the only other one. So it's really beautiful. It's, it's, it's incredibly difficult. I, I feel like Lee would be really great at describing this because that man has a way with words. <laughs> However. But it's difficult to describe. It is because I feel like I'm going to give it away and mm. every part of me just wants to tell you the ending and why I cried so much. But you just need to play it. And you may not have that reaction. That's the thing. It was just how I interpreted the game. And I guess that's what this game does mm. is it, it makes you kind of... I don't know, examine yourself as a person and how you're reacting to what you're finding in the game and the story that you're listening to um, and whether or not you're hearing what he's saying. You're still finding these little snippets and so you kind of start to build this story of what's happened to the father before you even hear him say the words, you know. And so it's just, it's really well done. But then at some point it crosses over and becomes the girlfriend's story. So then she pipes up because then you realise it's kind of a story about friendship and love as well and so she's there to support him through whatever emotional... Turmoil. You know, hardship he's going yep. through. And so then she's sharing a story. So suddenly the graphics change quite a lot. Um, and no longer is it his dream that he's telling about this fox and the stories with his father. Um, and it becomes a very different landscape where she's now sharing a story of her mother and her father and, and a family that she found along the way to support her. And so it's really interesting how, you know, it, the fox might go from running through a field to all of a sudden it's a girlfriend story. And now you're running through what feels like a puddle of water and this never-ending puddle of water but you're obviously surrounded just by stars and glowing objects and it's just a really interesting shift um, in graphics to make you think about her story so it's but then it comes back to the fox's story and then the way it all sort of pulls together at the end and and it really centers mm. around this sort of life the life cycle and this tree and all of these incredibly heartwarming things. And it's one game where there's a section... I don't feel like this is giving it away, but after, you know, two hours of running through all of these different scenes and looking for the fox and hearing the son's story, and mm. you, you know what has now happened by this point, and you know what's happened to her and her family, she reaches a tree and it asks... This tree asks if there's a message that you would like to leave. So you, as the player, physically type 
into the screen a message for this fox and her family. And like, and I would love to know who else has played this and what they wrote because you can actually leave this message for others to read on the tree when they experience it as well. And it is just, it was a really beautiful touch because I was just so wrapped up in both of these stories and couldn't work out why I was getting so emotional because mm. it wasn't my story, but it was so beautifully done. And then all of a sudden to be asked to leave some heartwarming message for, you know, for these characters in this game was just like, that's a, you know, after only two hours, three hours of knowing these characters, that's just a really beautiful touch. And then you think the game's ended and I encourage you all to please stick with it past that point because the graphics change from being, I realise now, I feel like the way this guy, David, has designed it is because it's meant to feel like a dreamscape. I just thought it was designed that way because it was a short indie game and that was the end of it. It's kind of... Ray, how did you describe it? You, um, like, Stylized, self-shaded, cartoony. Yeah. Ca- kind of cartoony, mm. yeah. Sort of sharp, flat edges. You know, like if she falls off a cliff, she, mm. she kind of just bounces down. She's not going to get hurt. It's mm-hmm. quite stiff movements, yeah. basically. All of the plants are sort of blowing and they feel like a bit stiff back and forth. But but it still all comes together from a distance really quite beautifully. Yeah. But then you get you break through all of these big emotional hurdles. You get through to the very end and you take on as playing this voice, this male voice that you've listened to the whole way and you become him for the last segment of this game and the graphics just change and they are soft and they're flowing and it is just absolutely stunning and you realise he's, you know, living in the house of his parents or we're assuming that's what it is and and he takes a walk around outside and just looking at the same region that this fox has been running through but now to see it through this human's eyes. Different eyes, yeah. Absolutely stunning. So I encourage everyone to play this. Just if you need just, you know, a two, three hour calm down or just, you know, you need an emotional outlet for whatever reason, play this and listen to the <laughs> if music. If you're thinking you might need a cry, probably oh play the God. game. Yeah, it's not at all what I was expecting. And I don't know that I've ever played a game that has, yeah, hit me like this one, which is very unique for me to choose a game like that. But even more unique for somebody to have such a short game makes such an impact. So the first tree... Out now on PS4, Switch, Xbox One, and PC. Everything. It's now on all of the consoles as of, like, October. Damn. Yeah. Thank you so much, Candy. Hopefully you're not too, like, emotionally distraught at this point. You're just, like, you've gotten, like, a little bit, like, more um, emotional through that review. Because I'm watching it. Buddy Razor's playing it next to me, (laughs) like, and I'm watching it, and I know what was happening in that segment and Mm. how confused I was getting and running around as as a frantic fox, but... Also a little bit frustrated because I couldn't find my way out of, that, out of that scene. But still, most importantly, <laughs> just, you know. <laughs> Hanging out on Zed Games. Scott. Yo. The Brisbane Game Awards. Yes, they happened. I wish I had, like, some sort of, like, da-da-da, like, some sort of sting to play. No, that's the appropriate amount of Yeah, that's, yeah. that's pretty good. <laughs> that's about that much. Because there were there are five media outlets, games media outlets in Brisbane. Yes, we, we got them all together. Yeah. We finally did it. <laughs> it's December, so it's Game of the Year what season. Are the, what are the outlets, Scott? So, interest. we've got yourself, Fraser, representing Z Me? Games. Yes. You were great. Oh, yeah, that's right. I remember doing that. Yeah. Graceful enough to uh, yeah answer emails and stuff after <laughs> bugging them for a while. Uh, um, we got uh, Brisbane Byte, we got Geek Society, Dyson Pixel Podcast, and 8.5 Bit Podcast. Ah, uh, fine stable of uh, outlets there. Yes. Um, and so we had uh, some really good representation this year. Mm. Uh, in the mobile game, we had uh, Super Starfish took out the award, mm-hmm. but we had Isavara and uh, Skyward Journey who were up there. Mm. Uh, Damsel 
which has been in yes. early access for a very long time. Yes, it has. Yes. They took out the um, PC award, but they had to fight off uh, Lanterns. I don't know if you've played Lanterns. No. Lanterns was a quaint little game. It was a game on, mm. and it's a 2D puzzle side-scroller. Yeah. yeah, they took it down to PAX and everything. It had a pretty mm. good showing down good there. Good stuff. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then you can't beat the behemoth that is Hand of Fate 2. Yeah. Uh, which came out on consoles, which made it eligible for console game of the year, which it won handily, Yay. and game of the year overall. Wow! Hand of Fate too. Wow! Nice. Yeah, doesn't really surprise. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's a fantastic game, one of the best to come out of Australia recently. Mm. Uh, well done, Defiant Development for that. And they're, um, you know, they're odds on to win next week at the Australian Game Awards too, just quietly. So, mm-hmm. you know, I wouldn't. Yeah, it doesn't. It wouldn't yeah. surprise us at yeah. all. Yeah, I mean, they've been working hard on that game. Free updates all this time. Great mm. content. And the the concept is just fantastic. Yeah. yeah. I mean, in, in the Brisbane Game Awards, they smashed uh, Think of the Children and Yonder. And they're not slouches. No, they're mm. not. I've played quite a fair bit of both, and I love both of them. Yeah. But no, it's fair. Yeah. So that was the, uh, the Brisbane Game Awards. And hopefully next year we can make it bigger and better. Yes, Very definitely. Cool. You're hanging out on Zed Games. Uh, Jack, Candy, Scott, and Raya in you in the studio <laughs> with you we are in you baby we can't take that back crunchy we're live <laughs> disgusting <laughs> ray <laughs> all right we really let our standards slide over the last eight years Oi, i we're trying okay that's what matters nice. ray you've been playing persona 3 dancing sm- D- dancing in the in moonlight moonlight and as well as that persona 5 dancing in dancing starlight. in starlight and persona 4 dancing all night mm. I oh, skipped that one. All yeah, right, so. I, because that one was released a few years ago. Did you play it on Vita? Uh, yes. Oh, okay, fair. Yes. So they're sister games relating, of course, to the. Why did I give you that Persona code then? Games. God damn it. Yeah, so uh, this one requires a little bit of explanation for those who aren't in the know. Persona is a spin off of a Japanese role playing game called uh, Megumi Tensei. No one knows Shin, about the, the Shin, Megumi Shin, Shin Megami Tensei. Yeah, which is a demon hunting Pokemon on crack occult thing. It was very, very like it was very niche uh, for Persona One yep. and Two. So Shin Megami Tensei is like this sort of um, overarching JRPG series, and mm-hmm. the Persona was like a spinoff. A spinoff which focuses more on the personalities of yeah. the people, and so, it's about social links, making friends. Yeah. Uh, the two games in question, Persona Three, Persona Five. Both focus on high school aged people who are friends going to school doing all sorts of normal teenage high school things stuff. In, yeah. In Japan. In Japan, yes. Doing mundane stuff like, mm-hmm. you know, eating ramen. And, and Sunrise Land, yeah. And, and doing all that Japanese good stuff. Uh, but they uh, are also finding like supernatural demons in this other world. Yeah, and so they'll so- be like, in Persona 3, there's like this hidden hour between, mi- like at midnight, that like you have access to because you have this special power and you fight demons. Mm-hmm. And then in Persona 5, you get transported to a different realm, kind of. Yeah, yeah. So they're all based all around the same yeah. kind of premises. I have to say that Persona 5 is probably my favorite Japanese role playing game of all time. It's That's absolutely no surprise. slick. It's fantastic. Style for miles. Story's great. Yeah, it's oozing with with style. Yeah. And it's a fantastic game. Uh, These spin-off games have been coming up for quite a while. Persona 4 got one. I tried that, and I thought it was a little bit of a cash grab. uh, Because in Japan, the Persona franchise is mega huge. It's insane. It is like a major cultural phenomenon. And this is kind of bleeding, trickling down to where we get these strange Persona games that we don't really know what, what... 
the hell are about. But that's I mean, Persona Q was like a weird mix of like dungeon crawling and Persona, but this one I feel like kind of makes sense because Persona has always been about that style. Yeah. And the dancing, they have so much style. Yeah. I love it. So the the storyline goes, and this will be of use to Jack because he uh, has only played the Japanese version of the game, which he couldn't understand. I can understand enough of it. Uh, so basically, everyone <laughs> is dreaming. Uh, ah. So they're they're in the Velvet Room, which is like a limbo-esque place that is used in the game series where uh, you fuse personas. It's kind of weird and, and strange, but basically... Uh, everyone in the game is dreaming and they go to great lengths to, to make sure that everyone knows that nothing is of consequence here. And uh, anything they do in this dream dancing world is will have no bearing. They won't even remember it when they wake up. And they one of the uh, characters asks, you know, won't we remember something or anything? And then the woman who's like the boss of the dream world mm. goes, no, you won't remember anything at all. Creepy. Uh, so for those who are like worried about where this fits in the Persona timeline with matter. canon, yeah, it's it's it's, it's, just, it's fanfic. It's just a fun little thing. It's absolutely fanfic. But so, the gameplay. Yeah. So the game uh, is a dancing game. A- uh, the, the cast of Persona 3 and the cast of Persona 5 in their respective games have kind of been sucked in and they've just got to basically dance for their lives. Um there's a loose thread between the two games. Uh, they're two separate games they have to buy separately mm. um, where they're sort of battling against each other. But really, you can just pick up one or the other. It Whichever was, you're more of a fan of, like Persona 3 or Persona 5. Both exactly. of them are a retail. You can download them like, yeah. either. Uh, Persona 3 was uh, uh, dancing in uh, Moonlight. Moonlight. was a real treat because I played that game like a whole bunch of time ago. It was a PlayStation 2 game originally. Mm. And... Um, I haven't really heard anything about it since then, but they've got the the voice cast back together. They've got really nice graphics. They've got like this really nice art. They've redone all the characters, and it's just a real joy seeing these characters again in an updated style. So that was a real treat. Um, the gameplay itself, it's think about uh, Parappa the Rapper, Guitar Hero, Dance Dance Revolution. It's so it's typical. It's not necessarily a dancing game. It is a rhythm game. Rhythm but you game. You have the characters dancing in the background. Exactly. So it's not just dance where you're actually dancing with the camera. It's no. It's, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's not just dance. Yeah. It's a rhythm game. It's uh, different to the Guitar Heroes and the other hero games and and what have you, the rock bands. In that, uh, instead of having a linear kind of bridge that all the notes are going down, you the 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 icons float out towards the end of this, towards the edges of the edges screen. Edges of the screen, and you've got to and hit you've, uh, yeah, the, the correct cor- button. There's but there's like circles all around the screen that correspond to like the X and the circle and the left, right, and down. Yeah, and uh, it's got its own visual language, and you, it takes a while to get used to, but once you do, it's it's pretty intuitive, and um, it makes you feel really like when you're good at the game. It's such a satisfying game to play. Yeah. The uh, the controls have been wrapped out really well, so that when you hit a combo in time with the music, it just feels really good, Sick. And satisfying. Yeah. yeah, they've really done a good job there. The unfortunate byproduct is that you can't really look at the very pretty, the, very stylish yeah. graphics while you're doing it because you're so focused on the icons and all the timing, mm. which is a real shame. Um, but you know, I've got to wrap this up pretty quickly. But I think that uh, look, if you're a Persona fan and you're like mega, mega obsessed with it, you've probably already got these games. If you're not and you're on the fence, I don't know if I could recommend this specifically to someone who doesn't know what the hell Persona is. Oh, no. Okay, if you have never played a Persona game, don't bother. Yeah. It's it's a fun rhythm game, but you really need to be involved in this, like, fandom. Yeah. If you played Persona 3 or 4, 
age, like Persona 3 specifically, obviously, like ages ago, mm-hmm. or maybe dabbled in Persona 5, and you're like, I really enjoyed those characters, I really enjoyed that world, and I kind of want to jump in without spending 100 hours in a JRPG. I think that's what this game's really good for. That's like, true. Getting you back into the world, the music, the graphics, you can get in without having to invest dozens of yeah. hours. That said, if you haven't played any of them, start with Persona 5. Uh, it is a fantastic Japanese role-playing game. Yes. Uh, and you won't regret it. All 90 hours of the storyline. It's it's fantastic. One little thing that I should mention before I finish, though, is that on the box it says PlayStation VR... Compatible. Compatible. Yes. I came in looking at that thinking that I, it was going to be like some psychedelic, cool uh, like VR experience, but really it's just a couple of features within the game okay. where you can look around at a character, rotate a character, and look in a room. So oh, That's weird. Otherwise, you're and just I playing... In cinematic the mode, anyway. yeah. yeah, and it actually is a bit of a detriment because all of the icons are at the side of the screen, and you have to sort of know where they are to mm. to tap them in time. And with the PSVR helmet on, you've got to look around to left and right to to see where it is. So it really actually takes away from the game. You're better off playing on the TV. Nah, fair. Yeah, um, that was Persona mm. Three and Five Dancing. Uh, you can get them individually. You can also get them as part of a bundle. Persona Three, Four, and Five. Um, that's out on PS4 now. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. Uh, we will be back same time next week with our Game of the Year episode. Mm-hmm. See you soon. Bye.